Welcome to my mom's podcast. Hi, I'm Marisa Calderon, and you're listening to the Early Childhood Journeys podcast. I'm capturing the early childhood journeys of educators, including discussions and strategies on best practices for children, birth through third grade, and sharing them here for you. It's episode eight, and I'm excited to share this candid conversation about another extraordinary kindergarten teacher, Donna Bateman from Pendergast Elementary School District in Phoenix, Arizona. Donna and I have been meaning to connect and chat for a while for this podcast, but since school has started this time of year, as many teachers are, they're busy. So it's been super hectic to connect with her, so I was excited that we were able to sit down and have this conversation. Uh, During our conversation, Donna had just finished up an IEP meeting, and she was sharing how the first weeks of school are feeling a bit overwhelming, as can be expected. She was reflecting on her own teaching journey with me, and she shares some tips and insights on what teachers can do to stay zen while working with some uneasy parents and how to recognize when you yourself are feeling frustrated. Donna is also another inspiring example of an educator that took the time to recognize she needed to up her teaching game a bit, and she started to go to these kindergarten experience trainings, and she's been making it her goal to truly support her students' growth. Her journey demonstrates how passionate she is about her calling and truly admirable. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Okay. My name is Donna Bateman. I teach in the Pendergast School District at Copper King, and I am a kindergarten teacher. Um, I've been teaching for 14 years, and this is my second year in kindergarten. Wow. I was, and that was going to be one of my questions was how long have you been teaching? So this is your second year. What uh, grade did you start with? So I actually began my teaching in first grade, and then I went up to third grade, and then I moved districts, and I went to second grade, and then um, started going to the kindergarten experience, and then moved down to kindergarten while I was still teaching second grade. And then, then I jumped into kindergarten the following year. And for our listeners, just to um, fill people in, Donna, I know Donna through the kindergarten experience, that's through a Lessie group. That's how um, her and I have uh, connected with the trainings that um, we provide yes. in that grant. Um, so did you request um, after you were doing second grade and then you started with the, the trainings through the kindergarten experience, did you request kindergarten or was it one of those where it uh, a position opened up, you know, your college. Um, I, right. So because kindergarten, you have to have the early childhood degree, um, certificate. Um, I actually, my degree is early childhood, um, my bachelor's degree. And so, um, I've always kind of thought about kindergarten, but it was kind of a scary thought of, you know, having to teach kids to use a pencil and, um, you know, their first year of crying and cutting and um, gluing and, <laughs> I kind of always kind of stayed away from it, knowing that I definitely like the early years. Well, and the then, um, yeah, you know, heard about the kindergarten experience, <laughs> went and did it, and then was like, "Yes, I want in. I definitely want to do this. I want to do so, kindergarten." And tell me why. Found that I'm. Hold on, tell me why. Okay. Like that when you why? So because you were you were reluctant first because okay. of the idea of teaching those basic foundational skills, and then you started kindergarten. And you liked it. So tell me, what was it that um, 
you know, you were like, I want to do this. I want to do this more. I want to do this again. Right. Um, well, I think a big piece of it was um, when I started teaching second grade, um, actually when I was teaching third grade, um, I began using choice boards in my classroom as um, a way to have kids work through the day, but doing all the skills I wanted them to do. So they had like a menu and they still had to get all of their skills done. Um, but they were doing it at their own rate and their, um, their own pace and they got to choose what they wanted to do. And I really enjoyed doing that. And then I moved to second grade and kind of incorporated that same, you know, philosophy into my classroom where there was a lot more choice and a lot more, um, kids like moving around the room, um, sitting on floors, um, not really worrying so much about, you know, everyone sitting in a desk face forward you know, very traditional, um, old school teaching. And then I went to the kindergarten experience where, um, everything is such a fluid classroom and, you know, there's really not enough space for all the children just to sit down in a desk. There's not even a desk space and it looks inviting and it looks, um, so educational and it just, it just really appealed to my thought process of how, um, Kids. You know, kids can learn, you know, in a situation that is not. Um, would you, so would you feel, um, okay, so within your 14 years, then let me backtrack. Would you, did you have a point of maybe a little bit of burnout? Um, what, what was it that I want to, I want to backtrack to, like, I want to know how you avoid the burnout how you keep it, how you refresh, how you decompress, de-stress, give us some, especially right now teachers are just starting and you've, you've definitely had a lot of experience under your belt. So any, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, the burnout, I think the burnout is real. I mean, I think right now too, especially, um, worrying about the little things like the environment, and things like that. Um, the school has a lot of um, non-negotiable things that have to be up in a classroom that, you know, really doesn't mean anything to the students. <laughs> and I'm finding myself kind of stressed out about having those things up and getting them on my walls because, you know, once administration walks through and they're not up, you know, I'm going to get in trouble. So like, I've got that stress going home every night, you know, trying to do all of that and get all of that done. But at the end of the day, remembering that, you know, I can only do so much and I can explain to my administration, this is why I don't have it done yet, but I plan on doing it and I will get it up and just reminding myself that I'm human and that it will get done. But I don't want just things on the wall that the kids don't know what it is. I want to put it up as we're doing it. And so it's going to be there. It's just, it's not all just up there right away. Right. You're, you sounds like are trying to make it a more meaningful and intentional. Yes. Yes, very intentional. You know, we're not just going to put it up on the walls and, you know, just get it done. And so I think there is some burnout in like, I'm doing it to myself, you know, like the feeling of like, I need to stay till six o'clock every night or I need to, and then just realizing it's okay. I can explain to my boss when she walks through and I can say, you know, I can get that done if I stay, you know, later, if I come on Saturdays, but at the end of the day, that doesn't make me a better teacher for my students. 
Um, I think the burnout too. I have a special student in my classroom today and I want to be the hero and I want to be the one that makes the breakthrough and I want to be the one that gets him to do the task I'm asking him to do. But when I find myself just kind of at my end point and I'm kind of almost snapping at other children that it's not their fault, Mm -hmm. but I'm kind of burning out in that situation, you know, leaning on a teammate and saying, Hey, could you please take him for just a minute? This is what I've asked him to do. If you could help him get through that so that I can kind of take a deep breath. And that helps me a lot. Leaning on my team and asking. Yeah. And the task still got done. You know, it's still, I got to take a deep breath. The rest of the kids in the class got to take a deep breath. Um, and then we just kind of all recentered and the rest of the day got to keep going. And so I think the, that's a burnout when you try to do things alone. Yeah. Or maybe at an adult pace versus yes. child pace. Yes. How long yes. has um, has school started for you guys? How many weeks? Um, this. So this was day nine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the getting to know how to be a kindergartner in this maintenance class. Yeah. yeah. You know, I had a kid tell me, I'm not going to come tomorrow. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'm done. I'm good. Said, oh, welcome to the rest of your life. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Sorry. So that's hard. We were just discussing this in um, with Dr. Garcia and her um, live stream about the beginning of the school year and learning how to you know, be a kindergartner in, uh, in kindergarten and how long it takes. And I think we forget because we just, we have a, it's like the new batch of kids, but, um, then we just came back, came off of our summer and we forget that piece where, you know, it's processed to get them to that point where when they leave us and they have right. all the skills and, um, you know, every, everything's right. really clock going like clockwork. So yeah. Right. Well, I actually had a scenario this morning that kind of ties into that, you know, like getting those kids into their routines and stuff. And I actually had a situation this morning where, you know, the parents have to sign in on our campus if they want to come in. So a lot of the kindergarten parents are dropping their kids off and then watching them through the fence. And um, I actually had a parent today come storming in and was very upset with me because I wasn't doing everything for her child. And she was just yelling at me. Um, I've seen you help other kids. You won't help him. And, you know, today was my day was my cutoff day where I was going to just really step back and let the kids do their routines on their own, mm-hmm. even if it took a little longer. And so I was actually, she couldn't see me because she was so far away at the fence. I actually was standing next to her child saying, Oh yeah, you can do it. Um, yeah, just keep trying. You've got it. You're almost done. But you know, you can't hear that from so far away. And she got very upset with me. And, um, I just kept telling her when she was, you know, yelling at me, um, I understand, but he can do it on his own. He's done it. You know, he did it yesterday, which means he can do it today. And, you know, he just needs some patience. You know, you just gotta, I know it's uncomfortable to watch, but like, you've got to allow him to struggle, you know, so that he understands that when he, he does it, like, at the end, you know, we gave each other like a big old high five and he's like, I did it. And I'm like, I know you did. You all, you know, just try. And, um, she came back at the end of the day, which this day was kind of a rough day. And then when she came back at the end of the day and she apologized and she was like, I'm sorry, you know, I should never have done that. I now realize what you're trying to do. And I told her I am, I'm just trying to raise a man. You know, I'm trying to raise someone who can do things on his own. 
you know, and can feel empowered by himself. And I love your child and I want everything that's best for him. And I understand that, you know, I remind myself to tell, you know, tell them that I understand that they are, their child is important. That is, and so, you know, that is so powerful. Um, And that, that I want to jump on that and talk about, you know, how, um, what we can tell our parents. And I'm sure you have this conversation, but any, anything Mm -hmm. else that would be helpful for these parents that are sending their, their baby to kindergarten. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And you know, how, how we can, what they can do to support their child um, and you as well. Right. What would you say to that? Um, I think it's, it's about allowing parents to ask questions and like that parent today, like at first I didn't even know she was yelling at me. I kind of was like, what? Um, (laughs) And then I was like, oh, you're yelling at me. And so I kind of was like, I understand, you know, and accepting that this is kindergarten. So this is the beginning of the journey for them. Um, And so they might, they feel passionate about things that they care about. And so as a, as a, as a teacher, understand the attack isn't on me. You know, this is something that they're giving me complete and total control of their children. And so, you know, just kind of having to be calm in that moment and realize that I think once they see through what's happening and then, you know, we were able to talk at the end of the day, you know, look at this, this is fine motor, fine motors for writing. Like, I know it looks like it's mean to make him do these things, but look at, you know, he needs to grow these muscles and, and really being transparent about what I'm doing. Like talking through each point. I did something this year that um, was a little scary for myself. Mm -hmm. And I actually, um, we have dojo here at um, Copper King. And so there's a video part on dojo. And I actually went around and videoed the kids at, you know, the parents come into the classroom and it looks like it's, you know, just this play classroom and all the kids are going to play all day. Um, So I actually, they they have, yeah. right? Right. Right. And so through transparency, I wanted them to understand, look at what's being, you know, what's being taught, what are they learning? Um, And then I actually videoed, I walked around during like an ELA time, during my math time, and then also again at free time. And then I uploaded those videos. But during the video, I actually walked around while the kids were working and like discussed what each station was happening and what the kids were doing and why they were doing it. So not just this is what they're doing, but I understand it looks weird that they're like picking things up with tweezers and moving things over. But these are the reasons why we're doing that. Yeah. And so parents just were like, thank you. Like we're wondering why she's getting, bringing papers home with sequins glued all over it. And, you know, and I'm like, sure, this is great. Cause your kids, you know, working on their fine motor skills and you know, yeah, they were very thankful and appreciate it. And it makes them ask more questions. Uh, yeah. Good which means that they're, they are, um, they want to know more about what's going on. So they're paying attention. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. um, a great way not to assume that the parents know what's going on. And so we just right. assume we have to break it down and explain it and give it, you know, have that language to say, you know, when they're doing this, this stuff with the tweezers is because it's for fine motor skills and that's going to help them with their mm-hmm. writing and take that you know, two seconds to explain that. I think that's really powerful that you're using technology as well to convey that. Right. Do, would you say the majority? It's scary. Also, I know. Would you say um, the majority of your parents connect that way? Connect with, or were able to connect that way? Or yeah, so at this time, um, I only have one parent that is not on 
dojo. And that parent will be on dojo by the end. And so, you know, the parents have all seen it and are able to, you know, connect. And it's like text messaging. So, like, I'm able to talk to them. And, you know, I send them many, many pictures of their children or their children send them pictures of them doing stuff or um, so that, you know, they can really see into the classroom since, you know, know, it's kind of scary sending your kid to school and not knowing what's going on. But if you're constantly getting pictures and videos and there's updates, you know, and then I'm not having to make so many phone calls home, you know, kind of taking a little bit of that away. And now I'm able just to connect with photos and videos and you know, kind of texting is a lot easier. Sure. And even if, and maybe the phone call home is going to be like how we talked about, it's going to be a positive. uh, Right. Right. Add to what happened the day that they're aware of already. Um, Absolutely. So that is so powerful um, in helping to support the kids and meeting the parents Mm -hmm. where they're at in order to to keep that communication line open. Right. I felt like last year too, doing dojo that way I had built much stronger connections with parents like I've always had a good relationship with parents but not a strong connection and last year I felt like all of my parents and I we were like really good friends you know like yeah yeah not just like buddy buddy but you know like we would talk more and we would have more conversations and I think it's because there was just an open line of communication constantly between us like a like part of the classroom family that extended yes with the parents including the yeah classroom family yeah mm-hmm. that is so powerful um very cool very cool what would you say did you do anything different I had been asking some of the teachers on how they were preparing before school started I know I mean I know mm-hmm. we went and we um the the kindergarten experience the Alessi group uh redesigned your kindergarten classroom yeah uh, and I'll post for our listening audience I'll post a little link um, of that. I think I have the video on, on the, their YouTube channel, um, for them to see, but was there anything else that you did, um, differently to prepare for your students that perhaps, um, you didn't do last week? Um, I'm trying to think like what the difference, I think I didn't worry so much about the cute and I worried more about, getting the meaningful and making sure things, you know, I purged a lot of things too, like things that we just never used. I went ahead and just got rid of so that we had more space, Mm. Um, which that's a new thing for me too. You know, if it's not something that they can use and they can have their hands on, Mm. you know, then it needs to go somewhere else. Um, But, you know, like, you see my classroom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I've got actually empty cabinets. Like it's kind of cool to have like a cabinet that, you know, <laughs> is empty. You know, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, some extra space to, I guess, get some other things. <laughs> well, no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. Just to be more strategic about what materials we're using. Yeah. The purpose behind it. For sure. Yes, definitely. Um, what else would yeah. you say? That but you I definitely didn't worry so much about, you know, what the... In- you know, the, the visual environment looks like I worried more about like the layout and the flow of the classroom. Pretty cool. How many kids are in your classroom right now? Um, I have 22, 22 kids. Wow. And are you going up to a certain number? Um, no, we don't have a cap out. So we'll just, as 
they keep coming, we keep taking them. So now I want for our listening audience, um, ex- kind of, can you explain the setup as far as how you and your and your uh, neighboring uh, teacher uh, Klein yeah. the setup you guys agreed upon? Because I think that's I think that's right. really um, something that we should talk about. Just briefly mention. Um, how yeah. An open space between your classrooms. Tell me the thought behind. Absolutely. That. So I'm actually very fortunate. I have a wonderful kindergarten team, and I have a very wonderful kindergarten neighbor, um, a teacher neighbor, Miss Klein. She teaches next door to I, and we have these large doors that connected our room. And last year, they were open all year long. We never closed them. Um, the kindergarten also, we kind of are away from the rest of the campus and so we can feel very lonely over here and so like we left them open all day just so that we didn't feel like so secluded and then we realized how much fun it is that the you know the kids get to know both of us really well plus they get to hear like another kindergarten classroom um and then towards the end of the year the kids actually go back and forth between the two classrooms um and you don't really notice the fact that there's a large you know hole in between two classes um and then this year the doors were so big and bulky that we actually asked if we could have them removed. And um, we've got a wonderful administration that said, absolutely take them down. Um, So now the doors are actually gone and it's just this wonderful, big open shared space that we have between our rooms um, where the kids, it's all sensory play so that, you know, one week she can make the sensory stuff and the next week I can do the sensory stuff. So we kind of share that, that task or, you know, the burden of cooking, you know, Play-Doh or, you know, the kids love it, but it tends to, you know, be time consuming and messy. And, but then it's something that they can share with the other class. Um, Eventually too, you know, the kids will come over and ask if they've ran out of masking tape, you know, and they'll come in and ask if they can use the masking tape or my kids will go over there and, you know, one day, you know, they'll get brave and they'll say, you know, can I go over there and do this? And we'll go ask Miss Klein if you can go next door. And so then, it becomes an even larger community. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and so it's a very shared and the wonderful space. We love having the doors open. And I think it's something else where it, they're taking it upon themselves and are asking you and then they're asking the other teacher and they feel comfortable enough. You've established an environment of that family feel where they are comfortable enough to ask for that and feel like they will be welcomed. Right. Yes, absolutely. And it's nice because then it's a, a second bathroom that's so close and on hand that the kids know if this one's full, they can walk around the corner and go without, you know, the opening and closing of the door. Um, plus, you know, sometimes they're like, oh, they're counting next door. And they're like, we just did that. Um, or she had a student that um, we were doing the math lesson and got really excited because it was the same math lesson we had just done or they had just done and they were seeing it over here. And so now they already knew the answers. And so they were standing kind of by the doorway, kind of watching and then like kind of going along with it. It was really funny because he was like, oh, we did that. We did that. And I was like, I know, isn't that neat? You know, so seeing that all the kindergarten classrooms, like, hey, those are my friends and they're learning the same thing. We are next door. And that's a conversation builder. That's language development that's happening right there as well. Because yeah. we can talk to each other. About and confidence. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's see. What would you say, so some advice for your seasoned or new teachers um, that you have learned in the past year through, through your training? 
um, any advice for new or seasoned teachers right now, uh, kindergarten teachers? Anything that can step right. for you? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that even just for myself is that like the same thing we hear over and over again is that being flexible and being willing to try something new and um, listening to the kids too. I think I sometimes forget and I get so fast paced and I get going and I don't stop and just really hear what the kids are trying to tell me sometimes. Mm. Um, And that can be powerful and actually hear what they're saying Um, because sometimes, you know, you kind of just want to get to the next thing and you miss out on some wonderful conversations or some growth or learning or um, sometimes even something even more personal that means something to the kid that now they're more invested into what you're saying or it actually relates better. You know, the class relates better to that. And so by listening to that, you know, you just brought on five more kids. And so I think just really slowing yourself down and, you know, the data is really important, but it's not everything, you know? Yes. So kind of remembering that, not to just steamroll our kids over, but to I, move I, with caution, you know, and really listen. Yeah, absolutely. That that intentional mm-hmm. listening piece that we talk about. Mm-hmm. What about, um, has there been any type of mentors in the past that that um, you can think of that has that there was something that they did that really supported your work. Yeah, I've got a bunch. Um, of course, I I would have to say my teammate Miss Klein. She's been he's huge. She, you know, she's been doing kindergarten longer than I have, and you know, she has definitely made this something that is you know accessible and easy, and something that's not easy, but you know, something that I can do and something I enjoy doing. Um, also the Alessi group for sure, um, hands down has been a huge blessing, um, for the, you know, our entire team and just for, you know, the state of Arizona, it's exciting to see that this is where our kids are headed. And then, um, um, also Phil Allen was a principal of mine. He actually started as my first year mentor as my first year as a teacher and then became my principal later. And, um, he truly reminded me that, you know, or taught me even, um, being more aware of myself in my classroom and, you know, my impact, Yeah, you know, and he did a lot of like, um, data drawings and stuff, you know, like where he would map, like where I stood or who I asked questions to. And, you know, he just really opened my eyes to make me realize, you know, wow. Hey, you only ask this one kid, whoever's sitting in this corner, that's who you ask every time. Or, you know, you always walk in this area, but, you know, you kind of forget about this area and being more aware of, you know, your space. That's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yes, it was wonderful. What about, I want to also touch base um, with your work family life. Tell me Mm -hmm. about how you balance that. Because teachers, are, um, you guys, you, I mean, you guys are 150 all in, but how do you balance your work and family life? Right. So um, I kind of look at my family life right now as the things I do outside of my kindergarten classroom, just because um, I don't have children at this time. Um, so I have a lot of extra time that I'm able to give 
And so I also do, um, last year did our school volleyball team. And then also, um, I started, helped start the, our school cheerleading squad and I'm still coaching that, you know, so that's kind of like what I do outside of kindergarten. Um, I don't know. So balancing that is just making sure that you're well planned and (laughs) really well thought out so that you can go home and you can do other things and not spend. And then there's sometimes you don't balance it out and you're exhausted and you're tired. And, you know, sometimes I tell myself, you know, take this home and just do it on the couch while you're watching a movie so that, you know, it gets done and I can feel better so I can take a deep breath, but also do something, you know, to enjoy it. And then also just sometimes like tonight, I'm like, nope, I'm not taking anything home. I'm just going to go home and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to relax. Yeah. And also asking for help at home. Oh, um, thank you. In the last, I think last year was the first year that I finally talked to my husband and was like, look, can you just <laughs> be in charge of dinner? <laughs> yeah. Like you just do dinner and I will do all the other housework. I just need you to be in charge of dinner. And I thought, you know, I was going to get a big old fight. And actually he's definitely the better cook anyway. And (laughs) like one thing off my plate and I just became so happy. And like, it was just nice to ask for help. And then he also appreciated the fact that, you know, like I gave away some of my control and some of my, and I asked for help. And, you know, of course a man likes to be needed. So it kind of made him step up. So asking for help, I think is my biggest, you know, and I'm just, and saying no, um, you know, when someone comes in and says, Hey, can you do this? You know? So this year I said no to volleyball, um, which was kind of sad. I helped with practice yesterday and I was sad not to be there, but at the same time, it's nice not to be there tonight, you know? So saying no, when you've got too much on your plate, those are like big things. That is, powerful. you know, it's, it's okay to say no. <laughs> <laughs> say no. Yes. Um, what about, so you have, I want to know about your hobbies outside of, of teaching something that inspires your work or gives you the passion. Cause I, for me, I feel like sometimes I have to step away from the early childhood field and do something just yes. my brain does something completely different. And I find yes. a lot of my ideas, you know, from, from that. Right. Oh my gosh. Resonates with you. Yeah. Well, my school, we have a very close group of teachers and um, we all do a lot of things together. Like last night we were all just at a baseball game together. Um, So spending a lot of time with them Um, and just, and not even so that we can talk about, you know, things at school or talk about the kids. It's just someone who can relate to you who does what you do, because I think a lot of people don't understand what teachers do all day and like what they go through and they think, Oh, it's an easy job. You know, you've got summers off, you've got, but they don't realize, you know, so I think finding people that you can relate with Mm -hmm. and then spending time with them and then spending time with them that isn't school related, Um, you know, playing games, doing baseball, you know, just enjoying. And then also um, I have two dogs, which I spend a lot of time with. Um, I love that. And then I'd read a lot. And, um, I know Dr. Judy Harris Helm said, um, if you're reading trash, you know, your brain synapse connects are like dying. And I was like, good, let them die. Like, I love like 
just nothing. I just want my books to end happily ever after. And I want, you know, everything to be happy. And, you know, with, especially I think with teaching kids, like you just see so much, you know, where we teach so much bad and, you know, sad things that I just want happily ever after. And so I read a lot of books and watch a lot of happily ever after movies and funny movies. I'm funny. I'm like, funny, funny. I need funny movies, please. Yeah. I just want to laugh. Yeah, the yeah. work is heavy, and I, I get that yeah. as well. I get that yeah. as well. Well, I, I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, I'd like to end on um, any any other comment or tip for our teachers right now, our kindergarten teachers that are starting their year with their with their students that you that you want to close out with. Yeah, I think. The big thing is, is, you know, especially with all the kindergarten teachers that we've been going to all these conferences with, like I'm struggling right now because I want to have everything done and I want to have everything up and I want to be like ready and rolling and I want to, you know, work with the kids and be group, you know, really in and doing all my data collection and talking to the kids and being in every section. And I think just remembering to take a deep breath and get done what you can get done. And just remember that the kids, don't know like what needs to be up or what needs to be done and they are just there so enjoy them and just take a lot of deep breaths and maybe have a glass of wine and just relax at night because it's going to get done and the kids are going to learn and I think that's the biggest thing is you know smart start small and just get done what you can get done yes yeah I think that. Yeah, you know that's that is awesome. The the wine advice yeah. is definitely something I will uh, highlight. On <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, I I told my husband I'm on a mission to learn more about um tequila, the tequila uh field. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> right. Goodness. Um, but yeah, that's that's great though. And again, I think um. This information, I appreciate you taking the time to come on and do this podcast to help me out with this project so that we can highlight. Absolutely. It's always fun to sit down and reflect and kind of think about things because, you know, you don't ever have time to sit down and reflect about yourself. And um, reflection is where we grow and that's where we become better. And so by sitting down and reflecting and reminding myself of things, I'm like, yes. So, you know, you just said it. So now do it. (laughs) Like, go home, have a glass of wine. You know. Yes. 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 Yeah. Absolutely. With that, thank you so much again for coming on. Absolutely. You're welcome. Anytime. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the podcast.